Good day, everyone. Thank God for, for this another Sunday that we are gathered virtually. And I hope and I pray that you're ready to listen to the Word of God. Our text this day is taken from Matthew chapter 19, verses 23 to 30. Let us read the text. Verse 23, it says, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you also shall sit upon the twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit internal, uh, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and last will be first. Let us pray. Father God, we commit to you our life. I pray that you will speak to us. You will grant us Wisdom, and I pray that your Holy Spirit will illumine us to understand this truth, O Lord. We will rely upon your grace and mercy. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the text that we just read is the continuation of the sermon last Sunday where there was a rich man who came to Jesus and asked, Good teacher, how can I obtain eternal life? And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. Now Jesus Christ is trying to point to this person that no one is good. Now Jesus Christ is not um, uh, giving the person that goodness is the key to gain eternal life, but he is pointing to the person that God is good and God is the absolute, is the absolute perfection. And Jesus said to him, now, if you really want eternal life, you know the commandments. And then the man said, Lord, I have followed or 
obeyed all these commandments. And Jesus said to him, one thing you lack, sell all your possession, give, give to the poor, come and follow me. And a man went away from him, sorrowful because he had great wealth. A man was not able to do that because Jesus diagnosed the real problem is his heart will not submit to God. His heart is attached to his wealth. His true security is upon his wealth. And after saying that, Jesus faced his disciples and said these words. So verse 23. But before going to the text, now exposition of the text, now, all of us are preparing something for our children, especially if you're a parent, that they would inherit in the future. Uh, my mom, when I was a child, always remind me that I should study well because my education is the only thing that they could uh, give to me and the only inheritance that they can uh, give to me because, of course, um, to value education because the education is the key to prosperity. And so, I have uh, treasured that uh, advice from my mother, and therefore I studied, and by the grace of God, I was able to finish schooling. Okay? And now I am a parent. Maybe it's a good thing to remind my child, Amira, to study hard. But it's also um, good to prepare something for her when the day that you know, our life here on earth ends, inheritance. But you know what? Jesus Christ here in this text reminds us that there is a treasure that only those who followed him will inherit. And therefore, the, the thing that we'll be talking is inheriting everlasting richness. Inheriting the everlasting richness because this is the true richness that God wants us to obtain in this life. Yes, it's good to have this blessing, material blessing of this world, but above all, this inheritance should be our pursuit. Of course, we are still okay, living in this world. We have needs. Therefore, we must check our hearts if our hearts are placed upon this world or 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the context of the passage that we just read is that there was a rich man came to Jesus and asked this question, Good teacher, what must I do to obtain eternal life? And then Jesus said, Why do you call me good? Only God is good. God is the standard of goodness. He is all righteous. He is the standard of perfection. And then Jesus said to him, You know the commandments. And then the man said, Sir, I have obeyed all this since I was a child. One thing you lack, go and sell your belongings and give to the poor and come and follow me. You will have eternal life. After hearing that uh, declaration, that man went away from Jesus because he had great wealth. His wealth is his God. His heart is attached to his wealth. And he cannot submit to the lordship of the true and living God. He fell on the first commandment, Thou shalt not have other gods before me. Now, after that, Jesus Christ faced his disciples and said, Truly I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter kingdom of heaven. Now, before that, let the, now as a parent, no, our desire for our children is that when we are gone, their life would be much better. But that's why we invest in their studies. We save money for their future because we want them to be in, in a place where there is ano, ayahay or maybe kaaruhay. And that's good. That's really a noble thing to do, preparing for the future of our children. Diba? When, I, when, uh, when I was a child, when I'm still studying, my mom always telling me, study hard because your education is the only inheritance that we can give to you. Therefore, they invested a lot. No? They tried to uh, send me to school that really uh, teaches good things so that I'll be able to attain uh, I'll be able to have this uh, good education. Now I remember when I was a child, my mom always encouraged me to study hard because in their thinking that Education is the only thing that they could uh, invest in my life so that I have a good life later on. So that's, therefore, I studied hard. 
And by the grace of God, I was able to finish my studies. Now, I am a father. I am, okay, I am valuing education. So therefore, we are preparing something for my uh, Monica Iha, no? so that her um, life would be better in the future. That's a noble thing. But above all, the very thing that we are investing in her life is that the spiritual treasure. That's why we try to introduce her slowly about Jesus Christ helping her to memorize verses because the greatest treasure that we could uh, give to her is the everlasting richness. The treasures in heaven. We are looking forward with that. And so therefore, our topic this day is inheriting eternal or everlasting richness that God has prepared for those who believe in Him. Now, let us study the text and let us, let us discover how we are able to inherit this everlasting richness. Now, in verse 23, Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, it's hard for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, there's something uh, that we need to understand here. That why is it hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Now, in 1 Timothy 6.17, it says, Instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be considered or fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Now, in this verse, we can see two things. First, Rich men or rich individuals tend to be conceited, arrogant, self-sufficient, self-dependent. There's pride in their hearts because of the wealth that they have in their life. There is a survey, a global survey conducted by Washington-based Pew's Research Center finds that 51% of participants believe that one can be good without God. The research also suggests that those in wealthier and more educated nations are more apt to think people are fine without the divine. Now, we can see in this particular survey that those who belong in wealthier uh, Wealthier nations are self-dependent. They are so arrogant, pride that they can be good without God. They are fine without God. Now we can see that rich people has this attitude. And of course, this verse also in um, 
1 Timothy 6.17, it's also said, the rich tend to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. Their hope, their uh, security, their trust is on their wealth. So that's the struggle. That's why it is hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God because they have this struggle in their life. Now, according to Proverbs 11.28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like green leaf. Now, we can see here that those who trust in their wealth, those who rely on their wealth, those who put their hope in their wealth will fall. Destruction is sure for those who put their trust in their wealth. And in Luke 6.24, it says, Jesus said, What sorrow awaits you who are rich, for you have your only happiness now. Now, we must check our hearts. We, as Christians, we, we, we work hard, we do good, we uh, do things to improve our lives, to gain these things in this life, to have this uh, blessing materially and financially. But money can be a blessing and a curse. Money can be a blessing because we are able to uh, purchase, buy what we need. We can bless others, but it's also a curse because the article, Why Christians understand that wealth brings with it certain temptations. There's temptation. The wealthier we are, the more we may be prone to look for security in our riches and not Christ. That's why this is a struggle. And there are a lot of people that I heard that it's really, they are struggling to reach their well-off friends because they have what they need. Money can buy what they have, happiness, whatever that they need, they want. So if they introduce Christ, perhaps they don't need Christ anymore because what else that we need because money is there already. It answers their um, necessities and therefore they don't pray because Money is in their pocket. Now, that's why rich people, is, it is hard for them to enter the kingdom of God because of their self-dependence and their hope is rest 
upon their wealth. And again, in verse 24, Jesus said, Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom. Now, Jesus Christ made a hyperbole. This is not an actual gate, okay? So some scholars suggest that this is a gate where it's so small that a camel cannot go through it. This is an, uh, a hyperbole, an exaggeration that Jesus made to make his point to his disciples that that's how impossible the rich can enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what does Jesus mean when he said these words? Is richness is a curse for all people because if you are wealthy, you are disqualified already in heaven. That is not what Jesus meant on this verse. Let us discuss that after this verse. In Matthew chapter 27, 57, now, this verse talks about a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph who was a disciple of Jesus. Now, this person is so rich that he was able to place the dead body of Jesus to the tomb where he owned. Okay? And he was a disciple of Jesus. Now, therefore, what does Jesus meant when he said it is okay impossible for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Now Christ was talking about the futility of salvation through human means that even the rich with all his means is impossible to attain it. To obtain it. Now, this is really diba, the thing that shocks the disciples actually. Because a rich person is a person can do good to people. They can build churches, they can support ministries, whatever that they want to uh, Give because they have the capacity. They have all the means. Yeah. But even a rich person with all his means cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus Christ was talking here the impossibility of salvation through human means. That even a rich person cannot obtain salvation even though they are wealthy. So if the rich person cannot do it, how much more those who are just ordinary individuals? 
Now, the thing is, the greatest enemy to human souls is self-righteous spirit which makes men look to themselves for salvation. Men want to be saved. Men want to enter into the kingdom of God. But their problem is, they're looking into themselves. They're searching, they're depending upon themselves to enter the kingdom. They're, they're depending upon what they can do. They're depending upon their capabilities. This, this self-righteous spirit that I am good person compared to others. But if you are just honest about yourself, if you search yourself, nothing is good in you. Nothing is good in a man. Why? In Mark 7, 21 to 23, it says, For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. We could see that we are all sinners. And we are not good enough to enter to the kingdom of God. It is impossible for a man to enter into the kingdom of God because of his fallen condition. That even though you are rich, you are wealthy, you have all the means, the reality is you are a sinner. We are wicked from the inside. And therefore, it is impossible for a human being to enter into the kingdom of God in his own means of doing it. So that's why in Matthew 19, 25, when the disciples heard this, they were very astonished. Then who can be saved? If a rich man cannot be saved, if that rich man who is good cannot be saved, then who can be saved? Who can be saved? Kinsa man ang maluwas. That's why in verse 26, Matthew 19, verse 26, and looking at them, Jesus said to them, with people, this is impossible. Impossible, Yukayo, that people can be saved by his own works because salvation is not uh, for sale. Salvation is not a wages or a wage. It is impossible because a person is Sinful with people, this is impossible. 
But with God, all things are possible. For you, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. It takes a miracle for us to be saved. Only God can do this. Because God is God of miracles. Now, therefore, how does God make salvation possible to us, to people? Now, salvation, listen to me, salvation is made possible by life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which in the context of uh, atonement. Okay, what's the atonement? Now, in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, Jesus Christ, when he became flesh and dwelt among us, he lived a perfect life. Without sin, he is able to fulfill all the righteousness that God requires. He obeys all the laws. He walks according to the standard of God, according to the will of God. He had no sin. He is 100% human being. He is 100% God. He is the Savior. Why? Because He gave His life for us when He died on the cross. The punishment of our sin has been laid upon Him. All the sins of the world is laid up upon Jesus Christ. He took all our sin. He, that's why the verse said, Him who knew no sin to be sin in our behalf. He absorbed all the punishment that supposedly ours on the cross and then those who believe in him, his righteousness will be transferred to that person. So there is an exchange. Now, to illustrate this, atoning makita sa marriage. Now, Every time that I witness a marriage ceremony, you know, there is a wedding ring and there's a phrase you know, that, the, that the bride will say, with all that I am, with all that I have, I give to you. And then the groom will say also, with all that I am, with all that I have, I give to you. Then if you put that in the context of salvation, with all that I am, with all that I have, what do you have? With who you are, 
Di ba? What we have in life is sin. Damnation. Corruption. Then when we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, it seems that we are giving. You know, we, the, the sin that we have is imputed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. When I read the word, is imputed upon the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness as an exchange is imputed unto us. And that's why we are now justified, declared righteous in the eyes of God because the righteousness of Jesus is in us. Now, how can a person experience such benefit? No. There's an article, no, Martin Luther said, Christ is full of grace, life, and salvation. The soul is full of sin, death, and damnation. Now let faith come between them and sins. Death and damnation will be Christ, the waton ni Cristo, while grace, life, and salvation will be the souls. For if Christ is a bridegroom, he must take upon himself the things which are the brides and bestow upon her the things that are his. So this is an, a, a concept of Martin Luther when it comes to justification. There is an exchange. Now we can experience, we can enjoy this benefit this uh, blessing, grace, no? according to Galatians 2.16, now a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. We too have put our faith in Christ that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. Now, Paul says this to the Galatian Christians, and of course, this is so applicable to us that salvation is by faith in Christ alone. Justification, declared righteous in the eyes of God, can be yours. If you put your trust in Christ alone. Meaning that it's in Jesus we rely upon our righteousness. It is through Jesus that God can accept us. It is through Jesus alone by His works that we are Saved, not our works, but through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. And Paul says, we too have put our faith in Christ. Paul is saying to the Galatian church, we, he includes himself. Who is Paul? A Pharisee. He accomplished much in his life 
He serves Jesus. He preaches the gospel. He wrote many things about the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yet, he said, we too, including myself, is relying upon the works of Christ, upon my justification, not upon my works, not upon obeying the law, because by the works of the law, no one can be justified. Only the righteousness of Christ, God can accept us. That's why if you believe and you put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are declared righteous, you are justified before the eyes of God. Now, justification by faith in Christ alone is absolute. However, repentance and obedience are necessary marks of the justified. Without such, conversion is false. Now, we must search our heart that is our faith is genuine because through faith in Christ, those who are justified will be marked by His repentance and obedience. That's why in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. There is a fruit. There is an evidence that a person is justified. His faith is bearing fruit. And that faith works working through love. That's why in Matthew 19, 27, Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. You see, that when Peter believed in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God, Messiah, their faith is made, um, is proved being real, genuine, because there is submission to Jesus, there is obedience to Jesus, there is denying of self, there is repentance in their life, it proves that their faith, their, that their saving faith is genuine. It's real. We have left everything and followed you, Jesus. Then he asked, what then will be for us? Lord, look at us. We're not rich. We, we left everything because we followed you. We obey you. What then will be there for us? What awaits us, Lord? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, 
you also shall sit upon twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, Jesus Christ is pointing them to the future. Jesus Christ is telling them, if you, this, this is what you will have. This is what you will inherit if you follow me. The near future when the Son of Man will sit in His glorious throne, He was talking about His second coming. He was talking about His Lordship over all the world will be realized. Then you who follow me will be judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And then not just that, and everyone who has left houses or brothers and sisters, father and mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Those who suffered because they believe in me, those who choose to follow me, will receive great reward, will inherit the everlasting richness that I prepared for them, for you. Sad to say, we heard many news in the internet that a lot of Christian people, worship leaders, now proclaiming themselves Christians and they went away from the faith. They choose this world. They choose to embrace the world. And they unfollow Christ. But they have their gain in this world. But for us who chose to follow Christ, Christ has promised us everlasting richness. Beyond compare, beyond our human imagination, it's so precious that it is Preparing for those who followed him. In verse 30, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Now, Jesus Christ is telling those who are enjoying life now, later on, they will suffer. Those who are rich now, enjoying their richness now, depending upon the, their wealth, their happiness, this world, later on they will be sorrowful, they will be last. But for those who are poor now because they follow me, they will be first. Those who are experiencing sorrow now will be first. Will enjoy everlasting happiness. Now, the point of the matter is only those who unfollow the world and follow Jesus will inherit Everlasting richness. Only those who unfollow the world and unfollow who who unfollow the world and follow Jesus will inherit everlasting 
richness. Can you see, pandemic made us realize that everything we acquire in this life are temporal. What matters in this life is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus. Continue knowing Him, loving Him, obeying Him in the midst of this crisis because only those who follow Jesus, who believe in Him, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, submit to His Lordship, will inherit everlasting richness. Trust Christ. Love Him. He has prepared greater things for you in His kingdom. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this day. We give you praise and honor. We thank you for your love towards us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.